Exodus chapter 25, verses 23 through to verse 30. The word of God says, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make it four rings of gold, and put the rings in four corners that are on four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and the spoons thereof, and cover thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover, bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold, shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me. Amen. We know the Lord will add the blessing to the reading of his word. We'll just unite together in prayer, still our hearts in the presence of the Lord. And ask the Lord to give us help just now and pray the Lord will undertake and the Lord will give us help uh, at this time. Our Heavenly Father and Eternal God, we come before Thee in the Saviour's name. And Father, we want to thank Thee for this time set aside. We thank Thee, O God, for this object lesson that we have in the tabernacle. And Father, it is our desire that in all things we will get straight to the cross get straight to the person of thy beloved Son. We thank you, God, that when we come into thy house, it is here we hear the word of God expounded, not man's philosophy. Lord, we come to hear what the Lord would say. And Father, we thank thee, thy word testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be drawn to him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we said, when we come to the table of the Lord, We are departing just from our own series and we're going through the tabernacle. And so we're coming now to the table of showbread. And as I said, remember, this here is symbolism. It's imagery as these aspects all have something pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. The table of showbread was one of three pieces of furniture within the tabernacle tent and specifically located in the holy place. The tent as you know, was separated in two parts by a feel. The first half was called the holy place, and then the second half was called the holy of holies. The two other items of furniture within the holy place, along with the table of showbread, were the altar of incense, that which we will come to, and that was right before the feel, right in the center. And there was also then the golden candlestick, or the menorah stand on the left side that gave the light. But now, today, we come to the table of showbread, which is also located in that holy place. It was a table where bread was placed in order for the priests to feed upon for service and fellowship with God. Verse 23 states that this table is two cubits, 
of length and a cubit breadth and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And so a cubit, it is agreed by different commentators, it's about, uh, one cubit is about a foot and a half. And so this table was three feet long, one foot and six inches wide, and two feet and three inches high or thereabouts. And so it was a small table, but it presented great truth. The table of showbread symbolized that God's desire to fellowship with his people is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that thrills our hearts because we learn the Lord himself saying in Mark chapter 1 verse 17, Come ye after me. That means to follow me. That's the Lord's desire for his people. That every day we will follow him. Every day we will fellowship with him. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he will sup with me. The Lord Jesus, after his resurrection, he prepared a meal for his disciples. And on that shore, we read in John chapter 21, verse 21, come and dine. And so they were to come and they were to feast uh, with the Savior. And so the Savior's words uh, for his people, that they will daily come after him, dine with him, fellowship with him. Remember, the tabernacle on earth was a pattern of heaven. And so as we serve God on earth, we fellowship with God on earth through the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we reach heaven, then we continue to serve God on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb slain for sinners for all eternity. While our fellowship on earth is hindered, it's broken, it's tainted by sin, yet we learn whenever we enter into heaven our fellowship will be perfect. It will be unhindered because there will be no sin, no sorrow, and no suffering. And so every part, every aspect of this tabernacle has a message for the child of God, a message for the lost. And the message of the table of showbread is that God fellowships with his people on the basis of a sacrifice acceptable to him. Because the tabernacle is all about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for the next, this time and the next time, we will look at this table. Notice some thoughts this morning. The principle of the table of showbread. And thinking generally about the use of any table, the table is a place where food is served a place of fellowship, a place of communion. You sit around the table, no doubt even in the afternoon, one together, and you maybe have some food, you have your drink, whatever it may be, your tea, your coffee, and you chat, you commune, you fellowship, you talk with one another. And so we come to the table of showbread, a place of fellowship, a place of meeting with God. Notice there in Leviticus chapter 24, Verse 9, And it shall be Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat in the holy place. Only the priest was able to enter in to the holy place. And they entered in as they served God. And they came to this table, and they ate off the bread 
to be nourished, to be sustained, and to receive strength. The priest, remember, appeared in the holy place and then entered into the holy of holies on behalf of the people. The priest entered in to the presence of God, bearing the names of the people of God as he interceded and offered sacrifice for the people. However, since the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the field has been rent and twain. And therefore, we learn that every child of God is a priest unto God. And we have boldness to enter into the throne of grace. Boldness to enter into fellowship with our God. We learn in Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 through 6. Christ hath loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Again, First Peter chapter 1 verse 9. Ye are a royal priesthood, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so here is what is termed as the priesthood of all believers. Every child of God, since the fail is rent in twain, we now have access to come to the presence of God. You don't need to go to some priest down the road and ask him to pray for you. You can pray yourself. You can come to the throne of God in prayer. And that ought to thrill your heart when you come to pray. You enter in to the very throne room of God on the basis of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have access to the King. You can pray to your heavenly Father as a child of God. The bread on the table, according to Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 to 6, was also called cakes. And the number of bread and the number of cakes that was on this table of showbread was the number 12. And the reason why? Because there was the 12 tribes of Israel. And therefore, they represented the people of God. These 12 loaves, these 12 cakes, they were placed in two rows of six that were side by side. Each cake, each bread for each tribe was the same size, the same weight, and the same amount of ingredients. Not one tribe had something more on it than the other, or the bread was bigger. Maybe if I was to make you all bread, no doubt the bread would be different sizes, uh, not because of popularity or choice just because it would be me making it be terrible and no doubt and someone would get something small uh, someone would make something big if I could change the illustration my son I'm not name and shame him made pancakes last night and looking at them one was okay and the other was just well it was just disastrous and so uh, if I was to do that it wouldn't be good but here these cakes these bread Every one was the same. Every one was identical. Not one was different. And that was to teach that each priest, as they feasted on this bread, as they feasted on this cake, representing fellowship with God, they all came the same way. Their acceptance was with God. They all had the same acceptance, the same fellowship, the same standing with God. One didn't have more assurance than the other, but every tribe had the same fellowship with God. And therefore, believer, 
All of us are sinners saved by grace. There's not one person in this room that is more saved than another person. There's not one person in this room who is more justified than another person. If you are saved by grace, if you're redeemed by precious blood, then all your sin has been forgiven. If you get saved today, you are just as forgiven and as justified with God as that believer who has been saved for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. There's no levels with justification. And so when we come here, we learn we are all one in Christ. Sin has been put away, covered by faith in the blood of Christ. The debt has been fully uh, paid. And so every believer has the same unshakable and unbreakable union. And therefore we come and we feast on the Lord as one people. And so every tribe had a cake to their own. And that cake was identical to show their oneness in the Lord. And therefore as the people of God, we are one. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 17. Paul said, we being many are one bread. And one body. We are all the partakers of that one bread. And so the principle of the showbread taught that God's people, those who are justified, those whose faith rests upon the Lord Jesus Christ in his glorious person and in his gospel ministry, they enjoy fellowship with God. They feast at the table. Their cup runneth over. They are filled by the presence of the Lord. Christ is all that they need. And they enter in to every blessing of the everlasting covenant of grace. And so, sinner, today, for you to enjoy fellowship with God, your faith must rest in Christ alone. For he is the sinner's hope. And therefore we pray as Paul said, be reconciled to God, be restored to God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as the priest entered in to the holy place and came to that table of showbread and there was all the 12 uh, cakes, those 12 loaves, those 12 bread, they feasted on them and they were strengthened. And they had this fellowship with God. And therefore, child of God, what a blessing that is, that you have fellowship with the Lord. What a blessing that is, that your fellowship is on the basis of redemption. But notice, secondly, the purpose of the table of showbread. Verse 23, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Verse 24, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. So this table that the bread rested upon, uh, this table was made of shatim wood and it was overlaid with gold. The shatim wood in few was also called acacia wood from the acacia tree. This wood was known as hard, strong and durable but it was not the most attractive wood to look upon. And why was this wood chosen? 
Well, this wood was simply chosen to symbolize uh, the sinless humanity of Christ, one who is impeccable, one who will face the wrath of God, one who will endure the wrath of God. Again, we learn in Isaiah 53, verse 2, he shall grow up before him, referring to Christ, as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire in him. We learn that Christ had a true humanity. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And that word touched, it means to sympathize. It means to feel the same. He was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. And therefore Christ in his humanity, who knew what it was to sorrow, to hunger, to thirst, to cry, to rejoice, to pray, to agonize, to be forsaken, to be betrayed, to be lonely, to experience the death of a loved one and to experience death itself. And therefore, in his humanity, he knows what we go through. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That's why when you go through a hard time, when your heart is breaking, you have one who sympathizes for you, Christ, our great high priest, and he draws you to himself for that fellowship to have a word of comfort, a word of season, because he knows all about you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Even last, last week, we've all heard already different people in the congregation or connected to the congregation that have been plunged into times of despair or times of sickness or a medical situation has arisen. And you may not have known that straight away or maybe heard about it uh, later that night or the day after. But there was one who knew already. And there was one who was praying before you knew to pray. And therefore that's the comfort we have with fellowship with our great high priest. We have one who continually prays for his people. Praying, if you like, 24 hours a day. His praying is continual. He never stops praying for his people. And therefore, this wood, this table that was made of wood, that was durable, that was incorruptible wood, wood that uh, was uh, strong, it was to symbolize the sinless humanity of Christ, one who did not fail, one who was holy, one who was perfect, one who would face the wrath of God. Because notice also, verse 24, it was overlaid with pure gold. Again, we've noted as we've gone through other parts of the tabernacle, some of these uh, furniture were made with wood, but also with brass. And again, remember, brass symbolized judgment. But here we have pure wood overlaid, uh, we have wood overlaid with pure gold. And that speaks then of deity, speaks of kingship, speaks of royalty. Again, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Lord Jesus Christ is the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And so if you take it, these, this table of showbread, 
that is fellowship. It is made or consists of two substances, wood and pure gold, because these two symbolize the two distinct natures of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is both God and man, deity and humanity. And therefore, he is the God-man. Not to use that phrase in prayer. He is the God-man, meaning one person, two distinct natures in one person forever. He is God and man in one person. They're not mixed, they're not blended, they're not confused, these natures, but two distinct natures, just as this table is distinguished by its wood and its gold. So Christ, his humanity and his deity, he is the God-man. And therefore, the one who would bring fellowship between God and men must be a unique person. Remember, all this is symbolic. And remember, the plan, the everlasting covenant of redemption, God's plan of redemption, was taught to the Jew, the worshipper, by these uh, illustrations to teach them of who Christ would be and what Christ would come to do. It's easy for us. We have the whole account from Genesis to Revelation, and we can look back and read the whole story, but they didn't. And therefore, they were putting their faith and trust in the Lord by these object lessons, what they were learning, who Christ would be what he would do. And so we keep that before us. They were being taught that the promised Redeemer given to Adam and Eve is the God-man, the one who would come in the fullness of time, both God and man. And therefore we learn the one who would bring sinners into fellowship with God must be both God and man, must be acceptable to both and capable of representing both. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. God manifest in the flesh. And so here we have, he is God and man. We fellowship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, remember the whole pattern of this tabernacle. The priest could only have fellowship with God because he entered in through the only gate. There was only one gate, one way of entrance into the tabernacle. And so Christ is the only way into the presence of God. When he entered into that gate, he then came to the brazen altar, which symbolized um, the shedding of blood. That's where the animal was sacrificed. Its blood was shed. It was examined. And so we learn it takes us to Calvary. It takes us to the place of bloodshedding, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we learn we have one way into the presence of God. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But how is that way? It's by redemption. It's by a sacrifice. It's by the precious blood. And then we come then to the labor, which speaks of cleansing, which speaks of washing. 
And so it brings us to the word of God. It brings us to sanctification. It brings us to continual cleansing. And then we come into the field where you have the lampstand about the light and about the lamps needing to be, uh, again, fresh oil poured in to lighten those lamps. And again, we have here the infilling of the Holy Spirit as we serve God as sinners saved by grace. We're not to allow things to come into our life to clog us up, to hinder blessing. Rather, our light is to shine and we need to be continually filled by the Spirit of God. And then there's the table of showbread where we fellowship with God upon the bread. And who is the bread? The bread is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the bread come down from heaven. This is all symbolized by this tabernacle. And so we can all see it together. First John chapter 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. The priest who served all day at the sacrifice, at the labor, went into the holy place, having fixed the lamps and prepared the oil, then spent time at the table to feast on that bread, to be strengthened for service. And therefore, child of God, that's the lesson for us. We need to be coming to the Lord Jesus Christ daily and have fellowship with him to be strengthened in our spiritual walk. Because remember, we learn in Luke chapter 10, in the home of Mary and Martha, Mary was serving Christ by sitting at his feet. She fellowshiped with him. She heard his word. She drew nigh unto him. Whatever that word was spoken to her, we don't know. But all we know, she sat at his feet and she heard his word. But there was Martha. Martha was still serving Christ. She was preparing supper, but she got distracted and forgot to spend time, neglected spending time with the Savior. She was so busy doing other things that she forgot to hear the Savior's word. She forgot to spend time at his feet. And in a sense, we could say, Martha missed the table of showbread. She missed time with Christ and she remained weak. She remained uh, disturbed. She remained anxious. She remained in the condition that she was, tossed about with much serving. Martha was losing out because she didn't spend time at the feet of Christ, who's the bread of heaven, the one who comes to fill his people with his own word. And therefore, Martha, or Mary, she sat at the Savior's feet. You see, you can serve the Lord and not fellowship with him. You can serve him and miss his word. A minister can be so busy preparing messages that he feels himself to fellowship with God. He can be so busy seeking a word for the people that he forgets to seek a word for himself. Robert Murray McShane, a great man of God who knew revival in Scotland. You read his account day by day people coming to the throne of grace. He said this here to his students. 
read, before you read the Bible for anybody else, read the Bible for yourself. And what he was trying to say this, before you give out, you make sure you take in because you need to be strong. And therefore, what is the point of this child of God? We need to be feeding on the word of God. We need to spend time having our souls refreshed. The priest, they continually were laboring time and time again in the tabernacle, sacrifice after sacrifice. But there was provision made for them at the table to feast, to fellowship, to be strengthened. And so, believer, we need to be strengthened day by day. One service on a Sunday is not enough. Yea, two services is not enough. You need to be day by day in the word of God. Therefore, I ask you, those who don't stay for the afternoon services, are you feasting on the Lord? Are you spending time in the word of God day by day? Are you being fed? Where are you gleaning day by day? Or is Sunday morning all you get of God's word? And that's you till the week after. I say you will be weak. There was provision made for the priest as he served. That's why the Lord said to Martha, or to Mary, that, uh, to Martha that Mary had chosen the better part of one thing there is need above all. You need fellowship with the Lord. And so here we learn that the priests, they came. And they knew when they came to that table, it was to eat the bread. And they understood that bread symbolized the Lord Jesus Christ as the manna from above. The one who would satisfy their need. The one who would give them strength. The one who would help them to go on in service for God. You cut or limit your spiritual food, you'll become spiritually weak. And therefore, fellowship with the Lord. Spend time at the feet of Christ. Notice thirdly, briefly and finally, there is the preparation for the table of showbread. A lot of stuff in the notes I leave out here. You can do it yourself. Let me just say this here, that the table, the, the bread, this bread was made, again, very, very important instructions. Uh, it was made with unleavened bread. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5, shall be fine flour. And therefore the grain that was taken in the mill, it was then crushed, broken, sifted, giving that powder to produce a flour. The flour had to be fine flour, consistent, not lumpy, had to be the best flour. Because it was then in the oven to be baked. We learn in Leviticus 24 verse 7. After this bread. Frankincense was to be then put on the bread. Each row that each bread had frankincense upon it. So see the picture. Twelve cakes, twelve bread. That represents the people of God also. And there is the fine flour. And this bread is sprinkled. uh, uh, the, The frankincense is sprinkled uh, on this bread. Again, all points to the Lord Jesus Christ because his people are accepted with him and one with him. And just as there's bread for each and every one of those tribes, and that bread uh, symbolizes Christ and it's for the people of God and it's then uh, 
sprinkled in this frankincense, then it symbolizes the Lord Jesus Christ because we learn frankincense means to be white. Frankincense was that spice that symbolized purity. Again, remember Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. The wise men, they brought frankincense to the Savior to speak of his purity, of his righteousness, one who was holy, one who was out without sin. And so they came to Christ and recognized, here's one holy, one who is the lamb to be slain for sinners. Here is the one who is both the offering and the offerer. And so this flower, as it was made with unleavened bread, as it was uh, sifted perfectly and then put through the fire, so we learn the Lord Jesus Christ, in his life, he was sifted. He was examined. His life showed to be no inconsistencies. Rather, his life showed to be perfect. He was tempted off the devil. He was made perfect through sufferings. The prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in him. He was a righteous man. He was brought as a lamb before shears, yet he opened not his mouth. And then upon the cross, he suffered the heat, the fury of God's wrath. He was baked in the fury of God's wrath. He faced the heat of God's wrath in order to bring sinners on to himself. And so this cake that the people of God uh, symbol, uh, the people of God took symbolized Christ, but there was a cake for each tribe. And it taught the people that Christ is all sufficient for them. There's a Savior for them. There's a Christ for them. There's one to fellowship with them. There's one who can meet their need. There's one who is all sufficient to give strength, to give nourishment, to provide all they need. So the very fact, this table of showbread is within the field, signifies the success of Christ's work. Because not only is there fellowship with him on earth, but there's also fellowship with him in heaven. And what a joy that is for the believer as we fellowship with Christ day by day on earth. One day we'll enter into heaven where there we will fellowship with him also. There's a lot more in the notes you can have, a lot more I've left out there. And so you can look through those yourself. But let me just say, uh, in closing for this table, of showbread. Spend time in the Lord's presence. Feast on him. Feast on his word. Because Christ is all sufficient for you. And all your need is met with him. And by him. And through him. May the Lord write his word upon our heart for his name's sake. Amen.